0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August 10th, 2020 edition. Of invest talk. I thank you all for tuning in this afternoon, or maybe it's tomorrow morning. Whatever it is, I appreciate you for just taking the time out to better educate yourself about the economy, about the market, about investing, and that is why you are all here. So hopefully, I can move you along the path today. You're never going to learn anything overnight, but it's a, it's an incremental process. So hopefully, this will be one of those incremental days for you to try to uncover knowledge, perspective that you need to make better decisions. And that, that's our goal each and every weekday on Invest Talk is to help you become a better investor, a better saver, and move yourself positively towards your own particular version of financial freedom. So now that we are, what, six months-ish on in this pandemic, or about about the six-month mark, right? Or was it March? I guess it was March,, it would be five-month mark. Well, five months on, we are transitioning from depression-level economic activity to recession level. Right? We're clearly not back to where we were. Some industries are doing better than others. Some are doing terribly. Some are doing great. Like anything related to work from home. Some are benefiting from very low interest rates. Real estate, for example. Precious metals, for example. So there's a lot of crosswinds. And the biggest crosswind at the moment has to do with government spending. And that's the most important aspect of what the future looks like. Is what will the government do to battle this recession, right? We're, like I said, we're out of the depression and we're into a recession, No, will they continue to print trillions of dollars? And will that money go to people or will it go to companies? The first swath was more to corporations than people. Some of those corporations struggling, others not so much. It was kind of a bazooka, just kind of thrown around, right? And history says that's typically a bad way to conduct fiscal spending, is to not really have a plan, right? The plan was get money into the economy, plug the holes as fast and as quickly as possible, and there's gonna be some screw-ups, some fraud, some misallocation of capital, but it's gonna hold things together. And I would say to a degree that's happened, Certainly, we have some social unrest. We have a lot of fraud in relation to the PPP loans. A lot of that money didn't go to the most effective places that were really needed. right? The money typically went into the hands of corporations who had debt at the banks that were handing out the loans. So if you didn't have debt, well, you probably didn't get much PPP money, which is free money. So it wasn't very efficient in that way to getting to the companies that really, really needed it. It was just, did you have debt? Now the next phase, hopefully, will be a little bit more targeted, planned out, strategic. And the government can go in a few different ways. It can do PPP, but instead of free money, right? Because that's basically what it was. It was, It was handouts. They actually become loans where you're fighting a debt problem with more debt. And that certainly is one way they could do it. You could do another way where you're putting money... Directly into the hands of individuals. Free money. That's what we're talking about. MMT. UBI. And that. A lot of that would be dependent on. Is that creating liabilities? Or is the Fed simply printing money to do so? Right. Bypassing the treasury mechanism. So right now. The Fed prints money turns that into, has dollars, creates dollars. The Treasury borrows money, issues Treasuries, and the Fed buys it. And they get a liability on the other end. Now, what may be the next iteration is, the Fed just prints money, gives it to the Treasury, and the Treasury spends it through Congress that would probably be the worst possible outcome. Why? Because then there's no fiscal discipline. There's no productivity gains in the economy. And that would not be a great thing. A lot of politicians want to give people money and you know, for short periods of time, that can be fine. But over extended period of times, that can be a big drag on the economy. Why? Well, think of it this way. If the government just gave somebody $50, they have $50. That's $50 that's transacted in the economy. Let's say that person was a barber or a hairstylist and they went out there and they earned that $50 by cutting someone's hair. Money was still transferred to them, $50, but they've produced something in the economy, a service, right? So where will the government go? Will they require people to produce economic, real economic activity, a good or a service in order to get the money that's being printed? Or are they just going to simply print it and give it to people? the next phase of this recovery will be highly dependent on what that looks like. Once again, this isn't a political statement. It's just economic reality. So that's what to look for going forward uh, in the economy, in the market. And that's what I'm going to be looking for. Anyway, let's move on. You're listening to invest talk. I'm Justin Klein. Summer is moving fast and we are watching the markets, obviously, and serious investors should not be fearless, but we focus on, but should focus on managing the fear and greed that comes with investing. We understand the necessity of managing risk by balancing our asset portfolios for clients and that task requires information and effective strategies. And our goal is to help you deal with that level of volatility and you do it properly. So let's talk about markets or anything finance-related. Your participation is an important part of the mix. So give us a call at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Investor, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I have a question for PPL. And I wanted to know just how reliable is that company with their dividends? That's about it.
1: Thank you. All right. He's looking at PPL. Let's take a look at this company. Holding company engaged in electric Electricity generation in Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, and the U.K. That's interesting. A little U.K. exposure there. So it's a utility company. And let's look at the payout ratio here. $22 billion market cap, $43 billion in debt. Payout ratio from a cash flow perspective is pretty negative, but that may be a short-term thing. Payout ratio on earnings is 66%. Return on equity is 14, which is pretty solid for a utility. Usually, utilities are fairly low-profit businesses. Most of them are regulated to a degree, uh, and that's why oftentimes you you get the that limited profitability because the government doesn't want to mandate too big of profits. But on this, return equity kind of ranges in the low low teens to the mid-teens, which is, once again, pretty solid for a utility company. They have a decent amount of debt on their balance sheet, three and a half times debt to equity ratio, but it's it's a utility. So utilities tend to have, they can handle more debt. They're more capital intensive, right? These are expensive plants that they, have, they, they use to produce uh, uh, th- their electricity. So you know, I think that that is pretty good. Dividend yields about 6%, which is solid. I do worry about that debt a tiny bit, but it's, it's a lot less so in a name like this that uh, has a consistent revenue. So I think their business is pretty safe at the moment, uh, or at least their dividends, excuse me, is pretty safe. Uh, Their chart is just okay. Kind of the whole utility space has kind of been languishing. uh, And I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of them have debt. And if The cost of capital rises, right, where it's harder to lend or more expensive to lend. That's going to weigh on their profits. And they're also bond proxies. So if interest rates do rise, which currently they haven't, they oftentimes go down with the overall bond market. So PPL, I I like it. I don't love it, but I kind of like it just because of the type of business it has and that nice 6% dividend. Eight eight nine nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now um, let me go over the, our main our focus point today is Mohammed El Arian. He is one of the I think the brightest investment minds at least on the fixed income side of the the market. He formerly is the co CEO of the bond powerhouse Pimco, which is actually a local to me, I live in Laguna Beach, which is north. Uh, just north of that, is Newport Beach, and that's where PIMCO's headquarters are. So I know uh, I have some friends that work there, etc. cetera, so I know it well. And he is contending that the current market rally has mainly been based on technical indicators, not underlying strong fundamentals of the economy, which, you know, in the near term, that can certainly be a big factor. Sentiment, technicals, and can disconnect from the underlying economy. Now what he worries the most about is a wave of corporate bankruptcies. While the Fed has printed money and bought treas- not tre- treasuries, yes, but also investment grade corporate and high yield corporate bonds, and that has pushed the prices up, all that does is solve what is called a liquidity problem, right? Where there's not enough money flowing into that asset class or to support prices. And the Fed has assured that there is. Now, what it doesn't solve is the solvency problem. That's a completely different problem. That means, guess what? The businesses still have to pay the bond. They need to not default. The Fed can't do anything about that. So he's worried about large scale bankruptcies that will derail the market. So he's worried about the structural embedded economic damage that significant bankruptcies may usher in. And this is really the big problem here, is even if we liquefy the markets, it doesn't solve the underlying unemployment problem and capital impairment. And he says that the Federal Reserve cannot Help markets through its capital impairment events, and that's the biggest issue in the market right now. And I, I kind of agree with them. Give me a call. This is Invest Talk 99 chart.
2: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call
1: 888-99-CHART. For the break, I touched on Mohamed El-Aryan's points about, or his worries about the economy, and he touched a little bit in that article, and you can find that on besttalk.com. The link to it is he's worried about the structural problems that are going to arise because of the pandemic and the shutdown and the number of companies going bankrupt, right? And small businesses. Think of the, all the restaurants. If, say, we get a COVID vaccine tomorrow and the economy or economic activity starts to ramp up those businesses for the most part are not coming back it means those jobs are not coming back it means those people that work there need to find other opportunities in that industry or another industry if it's another industry it's going to require training it's going to require for the most part other people taking risks of opening businesses in those other industries grading jobs Small businesses employ about 60% of the workforce. So that's really the issue here. In the near term, you can print money, you uh, you can stimulate, the government can stimulate however they want, but that's not going to bring businesses back. It's not going to, for the most part, bring most of the jobs back. And in some ways, it's a good thing. I'm going to get to an article here in a little bit about while some of these bankruptcies are actually good overall, but it's going to take a reimagination of our overall economy. Let's go to Bill and San Rafael looking at CWH, which is... I've never heard of CWH. Camping World Holdings. They operate about 175 retail locations. Are you looking to buy this or... Do you own it?
0: I do not own it. Uh, just looking at it, you know, and I live in Northern California and been traveling around in the mountains and whatnot. I've never seen as many campers, campgrounds that are packed, and I know this stock has really bounced quite nicely off of its low, and just want to see what you have, what your take would be on something like this going forward.
1: Well, the. I like it for a couple of reasons uh I, I i agree with that trend that more and more people are are camping now some of that will peter out in the near term if we get a if we get a vaccine et cetera. I know many people that are going out camping is because you know they can't fly overseas and go on vacation they can't uh they don't want to get on a plane right they rather rent an RV, buy an RV, or just go camping uh, to take a little drive a few hours away and get into the wilderness and get away from the craziness of the world right now. And I think some of that will dissipate, and I think some of that optimism uh, is a little bit overblown. So this has started to weaken here, and you've seen that over the past – what's that, a couple – hold this up real quick. Looking at the wrong chart. Uh, Let's see. There we go. Yeah, the last three days has been uh, down. I'm assuming that was earnings three days ago. Do you know that dropped the stock? I, I don't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it dropped pretty dramatically on pretty high volume. Uh, that tells me this wants to go lower. When you've had a big run and you have a, a massive reversal on high volume after a big run like that, it means it's going to. It needs to work its way over, uh, or work its way back into a reasonable price. Uh, you know, kind of that pendulum swing has started. And I think this easily gets down to about 23 would be my first big support level. Uh, and then 18 would I – would, I really like it at 18. Uh, one of the reasons this – I actually remember this from an article I was reading. Uh, gun sales. Uh, gun sales are doing well. Uh, but long-term, I like RVs because baby boomers are retiring. Uh, I know the younger generation – uh, they like to get out into the wilderness. So uh, I'm a fan of this long-term, but near-term, it's going to need to have to come back in. It's pretty expensive at these levels, and I would need it below $20 a share for me to get excited about this. Yeah, low 20 is at the bare minimum, but probably b- below 20 for me to get really excited. Thanks for the call, Bill. That was CWH Camping World Holdings. I'll read the description again because I think those are uh, – those are interesting. They provide services, protection plans, protection and resources for rec- recreational vehicle enthusiasts across the United States. So certainly in the RV space, RV financing, et cetera, uh, repair, it's all that. So anything in relation to RVs and uh, long-term I like it, but near-term I think it's a little overdone. The next Invest best talk, this story. Could a payroll tax holiday ultimately cost workers more next year? Forgiveness isn't guaranteed, so if the employer stops collecting payroll tax and gives the money to employees, the employer could wind up owing the IRS next year. How much will it really affect paychecks? A story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 99 Chart. Now is a good
0: time to call Invest Talk. Do we have a disadvantage as investors on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action they are right there in New York? And what's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Justin right now on
1: Invest Talk. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
2: Are listening to Invest Talk? Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888
0: 99 Chart. Hello. I was
2: hoping to hear your thoughts on the Alarian MLP ETF, ticker symbol AMLP. I bought this ETF a few years ago and have been slowly dollar cost averaging my way out of it, considering I have a fairly large loss. However, given the the large yield and the deflationary environment that we're in, um, I was hoping to hear your thoughts on if this is a hold, if I should continue to slowly exit, or if I should just dump it all at once. Appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Uh, Well this is the Elarian MLP and they own a basket of master limited partnerships. And they used to have a pretty big yield used to be high single digits. Uh, but going forward, it looks like it's going to be a lot lower, closer to 3%, 2.8. They cut their dividend last quarter from 19 cents a share to 15 cents a share. So clearly the, Holdings of the Alarian MLP are struggling for you know to pay out to shareholders, and they have a lot of debt, uh, and that's the big issue here. Is just these companies tend to have rough balance sheets, and they're very sensitive to not only the price of oil but the volume of oil and natural gas that are moved throughout the country, and that's the, the big issue here, like I said. So I would slowly work your way out of this. Uh, I think it's okay if it's a small percentage of your portfolio or maybe the, a long-term recovery in the space, but I think they're going to struggle for some time to... Deal with the level of debt. And this is an aggregate of, of all the limited partnerships that are out there. Some are, are great, some are terrible, some are just okay. And you're owning a basket uh, of all of those uh, in a challenging environment for uh, oil and gas prices. And I think it's going to be towards the middle to latter part of next year to where oil and gas prices really recover. And that's probably when you'll get a, a better uh, return for something like this. But in the meantime, I think it's going to languish and struggle with the rest of the industry. Eight eight nine nine chart 888-992-4278. nine two four two seven eight. Let's touch on real estate a little bit. Now, obviously, the pandemic has had a major impact on real estate in many different ways, both both positively and negatively, depending on what area of real estate you're talking about. Now, on the residential side, low end real estate or low to mid, actually done better, right? Lower interest rates, those buyers that were in the market before, for the most part, they've kept their jobs, right? They weren't really blue collar workers, the more white collar workers. And many people are now scrambling to get those mortgage rates that are now under 3% for many people. Supply of homes have been limited. But the demand still remains relatively robust, at least in the near term. Now, the tax landscape of real estate has changed dramatically since the 2017 tax overhaul. One big change, the mortgage interest deduction is now irrelevant for many. In 2018, only 13 million filers claimed this mortgage interest deduction. That's down 60% from 2017 when it was 33 million fi- fi- filers. Excuse me. So there's, there's a few other things. They've repealed the benefit for some home offices, so it's a lot harder, which I would imagine they're gonna have to change that now. right? So many people working at home. So much easier to qualify for a portion of your home being used as a home office because so many people are actually doing that. They're not faking it anymore. Now, when it comes to the mortgage interest deduction, a couple things you need to know. First is there were, there's any any mortgage, two mortgages combined over a million or up to a million dollars, that was grandfathered in to allow for that itemized deduction. But any new mortgages, up to only up to 750000 are available for that. But when you're looking at you know, 3% mortgage rate and those limits on the amount you can deduct for the most, most people, it doesn't matter that much because your standard deduction still remains higher. For a married couple, your standard deduction is $24,800. So If you're married, you buy a $400,000 home or a 400, you know, put 20% down 3% interest rate. Well, your first year, your mortgage is only $9,500. And then you can't. You can the limit on your deduction for state income tax is only ten thousand, so you still need another five thousand plus and other types of write-offs to get past that twenty-four thousand eight hundred dollar deduction. So that's why so many less people are filing and claiming that mortgage interest deduction. So that's one area that's impacting. Uh, the high end market, right? So if you can only write off, say, a million or less or 750 or less, the attractiveness of taking out a loan higher than a million dollars now becomes incrementally less interesting. So that high end market is actually, actually remains weak. Another change points paid to mortgage deduction right, we pay a point up front, that can now be deductible in the year that you pay it. But if you refinance, that's typically deducted over the loan's term. So those are some big uh, changes that have happened so far since 2017 and impacting the overall housing market. Here on Best talk, we get calls from every state and all over the world. This question came in earlier from the United Arab Emirates. Hi, guys. My name is Ali. I'm calling from the United Arab Emirates. have been
2: following your podcast for a few months now, and I've done fairly well. So, thanks for your advice. I am actually uh, looking at one of the stocks in my portfolios, which is INGR, Ingridion. They released their results just before market opened. I think they were uh, they were pretty torrid. And I'm wondering what your medium to long-term views are on this. I don't mind holding it for a bit longer, because I think it may recover. But I just want to get your views on it, whether you guys are still gonna hold it, will you guys sell it, Would you buy, and, and what level, if any, would you would you recommend uh, rebuying this uh,
1: stock? I will look forward to your answer, and thanks for all your help. Bye. This is Ingredion, I-N-G-R is the symbol. We actually own this for managed accounts, and we really like this company consistent long-term return equity in the mid to high teens, which we really like. Uh, They have a lot of competitive advantages that allow them to charge above average rates for their products. They make a lot of the raw ingredients that go into a lot of food products. So things like sweeteners, starches, and they also have a value-added part of their business, which are specially ingredients, which is about 30% of sales, which is, that's where they can really add uh, that incremental margin to, because they're producing something that's beyond just a normal commodity. Now, the majority of their sales are outside of the U.S., so if the dollar weakens, that's actually going to be Good for them. They have a lot of exposure in Latin America and the Asia Pacific as well, uh, and, and Europe. So we really like their business, three percent dividend yield, and yes, their their sales were down thirteen percent last quarter, and that was mainly because of ingredients that go uh, that are going to restaurants, right, starches, things like that, and certainly restaurants were were hammered uh, by the pandemic. So we think that is a short term issue because. Ingredients for products that are sold in stores actually did better, and so you can love if you can level out that uh, that demand on the restaurant side, which you saw actually month over month. They talked about that how much better it got in the months of of June and July, and it's a lot better than it was in say you know April and May. So. I like the fact that their trajectory is now moving up and it's actually, yeah, it was down pretty decent probably when this uh, caller left the message on earnings and it's uh, reversed over half of that uh, decline. So uh, I think this is still a good company to own for the long term because of that consistent profitability and cash flow, the nice dividend and the dollar weekends definitely going to help their business overall. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and yes, we are living through a pandemic. But that does not mean that you can't take steps now to optimize your portfolio. And in fact, it's probably more important than ever. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. We can help you. We want to help you. You just head over to investtalk.com and hit the contact Justin or contact Steve button. And those emails go straight to us. And you can set up a no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review. We can help you achieve your financial freedom goals while managing your overall risk. And that's the main goal here. And now I'm here, ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at InvestTalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search InvestTalk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener Line is open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, how are you? My name is Eric from New York love the show thank you guys for everything that you do i'm calling to ask you about ticker symbol
1: spg
2: it's simon property group they're a really interesting
0: reit that i think is at a great price right now in my opinion after being hammered down by the coronavirus and i just wanted to know what you guys think of it at its current valuation
2: I sold a put that expired in the money. So I own 100 shares of it. I have some more puts that I'm selling. Wouldn't mind owning some
1: more. And I wanted to know where you think this is heading in six to nine months. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Well, if you're only worried about six to nine months, then the overall longer-term fundamentals don't matter very much. It's more about the, the economic backdrop here. And could it be higher? Sure. It had, or, or not earnings, but it had news out today that they're talking with Amazon to transform a couple of their malls, probably more defunct malls, lower maybe B or C class malls, into Amazon distribution centers, which certainly that's going to need to happen. There, there needs to be some of these malls in America need to be turned into Something else, whether that's housing, whether that's an industrial space, whatever it is, it's going to need to be done because they're just – it's not their highest and best use anymore with that real estate. You know, we – I live in Orange County. There's a mall called the Laguna Hills Mall, it's an old mall. My Grammys take me there and see movies when I was a little kid. But there are a lot of better, you know, outdoor malls, some of them owned by Simon Property Group, that are just – better and nicer and that's where people want to go they don't want to go to an old mall and so that needs to be repurposed as something that is more productive and so the fact that they're interested in that makes them makes me think they could be at least in the near term changing the narrative about their business and so six to nine months from now if that narrative can change then i could easily see it being higher the issue here is the level of debt that they have on their balance sheet and the fact that so many of their tenants are not paying. Revenue were down 24% last quarter, earnings down 29%. Still cash flow positive, but their business is going to struggle for some time. But if you can get, say, a vaccine over the next six to nine months, maybe this gets a lot more traction. So uh, I think there's a decent chance it's higher six to nine months from now because of more of a narrative change rather than underlying economics of the business now let's keep things moving i think we can fit another caller question in before the break this listener called from san jose
2: yes uh, my name is david calling from san jose my question is regarding et stock energy transfer want to know if it's a good time to buy thank you
1: all right he's looking at a master limited partnership energy transfer partners this is a name that It's probably one of the better master limited partnerships out there, but technically it just looks really, it's struggling. It's definitely struggling. A lot of this has to do uh, with the Dakota Access Pipeline and just the volumes and their acquisition of, uh, what was it? Yeah, Sunoco Logistics. Uh, They made a couple acquisitions that leveraged up their balance sheet recently. And that's really the main problem here is that they just have too much debt in a, an environment that cash flows are weakening volumes are weakening and that's why uh, you know i struggle to really fall in love with this name it's it's definitely one of the better master limited partnerships from a operation standpoint and an asset standpoint but their debt is just massive 51 billion dollars in long-term debt on a 17 billion billion dollar market cap Technicals are weak. It's making lower highs and lower lows. And so I'm gonna pass on ET because of that high, high debt level. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday has helped you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're gonna call, you wanna do it right now. 888-99-CHART.
2: This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888 99 Chart. Hi, Stephen
0: Justin. I
2: live here in the Midwest. And uh, everywhere you look, there's a, a Casey's General Store, ticker symbol C-A-S-Y. Growing like crazy, and they've been around for years, and they seem to have been moving west now. I just wondered what you thought of the company for a long-term hold, what you thought. Great show. I've learned
1: a lot from you. And I listen every night on the podcast. Thank you. All right, he's looking at Casey's General Stores. They operate about 2,146 convenience stores in 16 Midwestern states. And like the caller said, sounds like they are moving west. Now, revenues last quarter were down 17%, but earnings up 146%. So their margins are actually expanding, which is good, up from 21% last year in 2019, 2020, 26.4%, 26.4%, which is an all-time high. So their margins and their they're improving their scale, uh, which I really like. Their cash flow, while negative in 2018, is now 65 million trailing 12 months with months, which uh, 6.3 billion dollar market cap. That's not crazy good, uh, but it looks like they're reinvesting in their business dramatically, like you said, uh, growing, uh, which is important. Return on equity. Typically in that high teens, low 20% range, which I really like. Fairly modest debt ratio. You only have about a billion and a half in debt on a $6.3 billion market cap company. Not bad at all. Uh, is going up. It's paying about a 0.75% dividend yield, but it looks like, let's see what they've been doing with their dividend over the past decade or so. Yeah, it's been marching up. Over the last 10 years, it's gone from 13 cents a share to 32 cents a share. This is a great example of a dividend grower about how focusing more on the underlying business, and if you go all the way back to 1995, they're only paying a cent a share, now at 32 cents a share. So this is a great example of a dividend grower that you would want to simply own longer term. They know how to grow, they know how to scale, they're not doing it so fast that They're taking on undue risk. They're doing it smart. And clearly, they're producing positive economics for their shareholders. They're adding value for shareholders. And this is this company that since, let's go all the way back to 1995, what was it trading there when it was paying a penny a share? Split adjusted, it was trading for $7 in 1995. Now we're at $38. I'm sorry, not $38, $171. So it's growing its earnings per share. It's growing its dividend. It's cash flow. It's managing the business properly, not just growing for the sake of growing. That's good management. These are the type of businesses that you want to own. So... I like it. I like it. Now, near term, a little overbought. Right? It's rallied from 143 all the way to 171 in the span of a month and a half. A little quick for my, my take taste. It's making a lower high. So, you know, I worry it could come back in a little bit. Certainly not cheap at these levels. 24 PE. But on dips... You know, I would like it. Sub-150, uh, uh, sub-140. Sub it's an area that I would like to pick up Casey's General Store. Great company, mid-cap company to have on your watch list because at the end of the day, they've well-managed and been well-managed for many, many years. Now let me close going back to uh, that Simon Property Group call, and it's about delinquencies on rent. 16% of total property loans bundled into commercial mortgage-backed securities were delinquent in July. And this is the big issue here, is that it's just nonstop. The, these companies are filing for bankruptcy, reorganizing or renegotiating on their leases, and that's why there's gonna maintain pressure on a lot of these landlords of the retail spaces. And that's why I worry a little bit about Simon Property Group and that whole space in general. Thanks for tuning in today. This has been Invest Talk. I appreciate you for tuning in. And you can download our free podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and always InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success, this is Invest Talk. Good night.